the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. And now here's your host, Steve Teal. Welcome in joining me for part two of our interview with Bill Jankowski. Just a compelling story. We're kind of piecing together different stories about my dad's own rescue in Vietnam and how important Bill Jankowski was for that. So listen in as we talk to Bill Jankowski. And it just so happened that uh, the last set of fighters, the last two ship of fighters that I worked, was a pair of uh, F-8s off of a carrier. Well, they were carrying 750-pound bombs. Most of the the Air Force carried 500-pound bombs. And there is a big difference when they go off on the ground. And uh, (laughs) it actually, when I worked these, and there was a little bit of, the Navy has a little bit different nomenclature than okay. what uh, what the Air Force had. And, and with the Navy, I tried to use port and starboard because they don't really know left and right. <laughs> so uh, they react quicker to port and starboard. Oh, wow. But uh, work these bombs, and uh, a Mark 82, a 500-pound bomb, makes a bigger hole. It penetrates more. Oh, okay. So, but the 750-pound bombs spread out because the fuse is a little it, it quicker impact. So these were huge craters. Yeah. Well, it actually, uh, later on that evening, or I guess the next morning, as your dad and I were, you know, as we were escaping, evading, yeah. we came across those, and I realized that uh, we had been heading into... Uh, the NVA area, and so we actually, those two craters got us to where we needed to go east, northeast from where we were, because we were probably heading right into a a North Vietnamese command post area. Wow. You saw that. You knew, okay, we got to go. Okay. Wow. All right. All right. Go on. This is amazing. Well, uh, when you ran out of fuel or you you know we had uh as you watched your fuel uh, there was a a fuel that you would call bingo fuel meaning all right you couldn't work anymore you had to return to base to be able to refuel or you're gonna run out of gas so i told your dad i said uh hey i'm bingo i'm gonna have to go back and get gas but i'm gonna pass all this information on there was another fac who would be coming up to forward air controller. Thank you. Okay, got it. To, yeah, to be, sorry. Okay. Yeah, fac, forward air controller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, with you now. But uh, that, that would be replacing me, but I would pass him all of this information, and then he would be able to uh, 
you know, put in more airstrikes and help them. Well, I turned the airplane and, you know, there's another little part of it. Uh, when yeah. I flew by myself, the O2 had two seats. They were side-by-side -side seats. And I always took out the other seat because in the O2, if anything ever happened, you know, the door was on the right side to get out of the airplane, but we flew the airplane from the left seat. Yeah. So I took out that seat because the door had been modified to where there was just a handle on it that you would pull the handle. It would drop the bolts out of the door, and you could just push the door out of the airplane to yeah. be able to jump out. The other thing that uh, I always used to do was in the O2, there were two little windows in the back. So I would open up those windows because as we flew our missions, we basically got shot at just about every time you flew. Yeah. And so when the AAA would start going by you, you would hear a clack, clack, clack. And so then you would just start moving the airplane a little bit more. We called it jinking. You would just jink the airplane. And okay. all that was was you didn't really just fly nice, easy circles. You would just be a little erratic yeah, because it just caused a little bit of trouble with the people on the ground trying to shoot you. Yeah. But I turned out to go feet wet because, again, feet wet, nobody out there to shoot you and things like that. So it was the safest way to get back to Da Nang because yeah. Da Nang was right on the coast. Okay. Uh, and all of a sudden, the whole front of the airplane exploded. Wow. Uh, it was just... Uh, just flames and you know i want to say my training was such that man i knew what to do but you know my first thing was boom i got to get to the door yeah and you know but oh the seat belt and then it was wow all right let's slow down a little bit and my foot had sort of slipped through the the explosion actually blew part of the floor away oh my gosh but what I realized was that uh, the rear engine was still flying, was still uh, operating. And, whoa, this is, you know, okay. So I went over, got out, unbuckled, went over to the door, jettisoned the door. And as I was doing this, I turned north because that's where your dad was. And when this happened, I was by that river where... I had seen a whole lot of enemy activity, yeah. and so I wanted to get back up north near where your dad and the 5th Army Arvin Ranger Division was, because at least I knew that was sort of friendly territory there because they had come through, and you know this stuff was coming from the west. Yeah, And so I'm looking out the door because the whole front of the airplane is just smoke and flames. Wow. And... Uh, I get going, and finally the rear engine quits, and as I'm looking, I go, well, this is about where they should be. Yeah. And I jumped out of the airplane. Wow. And, uh, you know, there again, I want to say the good Air Force training, of everything went well, but I, you know, as I jump out, I'm going down, like, oh, wait a minute, there's something else i got to do. And our pair, we always flew with a parachute, and our parachute has a ripcord, which is a lever that you pull that releases the parachute out of the back. So, yeah. oh, wait a minute, i got to do this. I <laughs> pull the ripcord, and 
and you know the shoot pops and you're trained you know you look up at it make sure that it's a good blossom shoot and things like mm. that and you know then it's one of those things where you talk about uh when your adrenaline is really going that things sort of slow down in slow motion and as you learn to fly, one of the things that they teach you is to trim the airplane up to straight and level flight where your hands off. And so, you know, try to do that. Well, I'm watching and I look out in front of me and here's my airplane out in front of me, just sort of gliding, just flaming like everything. And I wow. just watch the airplane just do a 180 degree circle and crash just to put it in and yeah. about that time i then looked down again and whoa so i was being blown back south where i didn't want to go toward the river and again the training pops in to where if you take one of the front risers pull it it helps the chute to slip uh air out of it and it stops that and you can actually sort of glide you know these aren't the modern parachutes where they can do all yeah. kinds of things but so i at least i grabbed the riser to stop that backward thing and about then it's okay you're again air force training for parachute landing is you don't look at the ground because your depth percep perception coming down at that speed, you just don't have it. It's, okay. You look out on the horizon, and then oh, when your feet hit the ground, you know that's when you do what was called a parachute landing fall. So I did that and uh, get rid of the chute, and I landed probably in oh some low bushes that were probably about three or four feet high. Okay. And I was at the bottom of a little ridge as I looked north. And as I looked up north, here were about three uh, Arvin Rangers, Vietnamese, telling me to stay down and motioned mm. me to come to them. So I, Ian Ede, I just, you know, crawled up, ran up to them. And when we went over this ridge line, okay, that's where the main Ranger division was. Wow. That's where I met up with your dad then, and uh, there was a Lieutenant Steve Nahay and a Captain uh, Bob Berkson. And uh, it was funny, the last time I yeah. met your dad in Amarillo, you know, I said, well, do you remember what you told me? And I said, and he goes, no. And I said, well, you know, you said, well, nice of you to drop in. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, even in wartime, you can have a little bit of humor. Right, right. But uh, got, you know, then it was just, okay, settled down a little bit. They gave me some water and that. And, uh, you know, then your dad comes up and he goes, you know, hey, here's the the uh, Arvin commander he was it was a lieutenant colonel and uh said he wants to ask you some questions about uh where these forces are that you saw and uh you know to just talk to you so they pulled out a map and you know like i said it had been i had been flying over this area for a couple of hours so i you know i knew pretty well yeah. where everything was wow so i uh just started showing them all these different places. Wow. 
And then I don't know, it was, you know, maybe within 10 or 15 minutes, the forward air controller, the FAP that was going to replace me showed up. And so, you know, I get on the emergency radio that we had and said, Hey, I'm on the ground and, uh, you know, come and get me. Yeah. Uh, because the, the search and rescue folks that had evacuated Quang Tree, they also had some spare, you know, they brought up more, uh, at that time, it was the, they were called Sandys, which were the fixed-wing airplanes. Okay. And they flew what was called an A1E because uh, it could carry a lot of ordnance and different type under, under the, on the wings. And then the Jolly Green, the HH-53 helicopters. So there was a four-ship of the Sandys that were still out over the ocean, and they had one Jolly Green there. So, uh, the FAC, the airborne FAC, gets a hold of them, and uh, when we did the initiation, the initial planning to go into Quang Tree, uh, at that time, it probably isn't there today, but there was a big field that was just south of Quang Tree, probably about three or four miles, where the helicopters came into that, and then it was just a 360-degree heading, a north heading, and that went right up into the citadel to where they could get it. Okay. So with helping the planning, as I looked at the map when I was on the ground there, I go, whoa, okay, there's that field. All they got to do is come in there and come to me. Yeah. So the Sandys get on the radio, and then it was they operated in two ships, like I told you. So Sandy lead and two come in and they get in contact with me and I just tell them, all right, go to that field, come straight south and I will have my mirror and I'll flash you. And uh, so come in, give them, got your mirror back, you know, but then the words that will echo in my memory forever was we got to look around and I go Mm -hmm. you don't have to look around I said just go get the helicopter come in and pick me up and there again you know if you put it into perspective uh, the Lord's hand was working there because they came in they came over us and then they said well we're gotta look around and so they turned off to the west, and there was a ridge line that we could see. And as he turned to, that was the two ship turned to the west, and then headed back north. Uh, I see a little corkscrew smoke trail come out of the bushes, and all of a sudden the lead aircraft, boom, it gets hit. Wow! Mm. And you know, it's then okay, mayday, mayday, and. He turns feet wet, and he actually, they got to the ocean, and Sandy Lead had to then jump out of that airplane because mm-hmm. it was no longer pliable, but he yeah. at least got out of the area. So then it was three and four. Mm. Get on the radio, and yeah. okay, three, I'm going to tell you the same thing. Go to that field, come straight south, I'll mirror flash you, yeah. go get the helicopter, and come out and and get me yeah so come in gotcha 
yeah, we got your mirror fac. All right, go get the helicopter. And it was, we got to look around. <laughs> so by then, mm. there may have been a few expletives that came out. <laughs> right. But uh, no, you don't. Go get it. And they said, so they do the same thing. Pass can, you, over. can you just explain for me, like, so why, did, why were they saying they got to look around? Well, what, before they brought in a helicopter, uh-huh. because non-maneuverable, and even though they carried some machine guns on it, it was very vulnerable to enemy ground fire. Okay. And so their job was to ensure that the area was safe to bring the helicopter in, okay. that they were not going to get shot at. Right. So that was what they were going to be doing. Okay. They were going to be looking for gotcha. any any okay. enemy activity to take care of that before they would bring the the Jolly yeah. Greens in. And your mindset was, no, you don't because... I knew what was there. Yeah. That uh, from where my position was to the east, there weren't enemy forces there. I see. Everything was where I was to yeah. the west. Yeah, okay, and, thanks. And south. Okay. So they come in, and he makes the turn to the west, and he... <laughs> goes over that same ridge line and all of a sudden I see this little corkscrew and oh man uh you know gosh just a, a little sight yeah we didn't even know that the NVA had these what were called their shoulder mounted or shoulder fired surface to air missiles okay. at that time so I had no idea what these things were yeah. but in the second for number 3 I just at least called break which, you know, I said earlier, when you saw Sam in the air, that's what yeah. you did was, and you know, to try to get him, but it was too late, mm-hmm. and bam, it hits number three. Yeah. And uh, he and his wingman, they at least made it all the way back to Da Nang. Okay. He, his airplane was able to, because I think he had initially started to do a little turn when I called that out. And another little thing Mm. was number four (laughs) was a guy that I had been through pilot training with. Oh, wow. And so he knew who it was on the ground because of the search and rescue that he and another friend that did that mission Mm. had all of our call signs of those that, you know, they had gone through pilot training with that they knew who was over there. So as they depart, uh, there was silence for probably about, well, I want to say a half an hour, but it yeah. probably was more like about five, ten minutes. And and by this time, it's getting a little dark because, okay. you know, all of this had transpired in the afternoon. And the fact comes back up and he goes, well, you're going to have to spend the night. Mm. The jollies say that they're not going to come in. And... uh so again, it was probably a few little expletives yeah. on the radio of, "What do you mean they're not just go to that field and come?" Right. And he goes, "Well, they're going to go back and you know do some planning, and then we'll be back in the morning, or they'll be back in the morning." Because wow. I did have there were there were forward air controllers flying over us all night. Okay. So at that time. <laughs> You know, your dad was there and hearing this on the radio. And so 
just about sunset when things really started getting dark, he comes up to me and he goes, well, and one of the things that was happening while all of this, the rescue forces were coming in, I had pointed out all of these targets to the fact that was working, you know, that I was talking to. So all the while the Sandys were doing their work up north, yeah. he was putting in more airstrikes south along these positions that I had told, told him. Mm-hmm. So your dad comes up and says, well, the Arvin commander wants to take advantage of all those airstrikes and move you know, through that area because of the disruption. And, uh, uh, you know, so you've got a decision to make. <laughs> oh, okay. And so he goes, you can, wow. you can stay here and, uh, you know, be by yourself. And, you know, when the rescue forces show up in the morning, you know, they can pick you up or you can come with us. Mercy. <laughs> So it was... How long did you have to decide and weigh that out? (laughs) About five minutes. Five minutes? (laughs) Yeah. What went through your mind? Can you tell us? Well, it was one of those things of just saying, well, I know there's a whole bunch of, you know, enemy around this area. and uh, Oh, my gosh. At least these guys have been fighting and should know what they're doing on the ground. Yeah. Plus, there's three Americans here, so... I just said, well, I'll I'll go with you Mm. guys. Mm. And so then when dark came, it was, we started toward the river going south. And, uh, you know, that was not having any experience with the Army at that time. Further on in my career, I actually spent some time with some Army units and and that. But as we were going along... uh, these the South Vietnamese guys, you know, they've got pots and pans, and these are banging, and it's noisy, and <laughs> and so I'm just thinking to myself, there's lots of enemy soldiers around here. They know exactly where we are because they ought to be able to hear us a half a mile away. So as we go south, there actually were three tree lines. So we get to a first tree line and went into an open field, which was, it was a big agriculture area right there, you know, just being on the coast. And we go across these ag fields, just open fields, and we hit another tree line. And uh, we start into the field in the second tree line, and then everything just exploded. We had walked Mm. right into an ambush. Mm. Uh, Mm. Mortars started coming in, uh, machine gun fire. And Mm. so uh, initially, your dad and Lieutenant Nahay and Captain Berkson, for their training, you know, they just took off. And so all of a sudden I noticed I'm by myself in this field. All of this stuff's happening, and I said, well, okay. So I just started walking, and all of a sudden, Captain Berkson shows back up and goes, stay with us. (laughs) So I didn't let go of him. Yeah. uh, Wow. So Mm. we get to the southernmost tree line, which actually was a tree line that led led down to the river. Okay. So it was just the river brush. Yeah. 
and there was a little path that started uh, going down, and it was a moonlit night. Uh, the moon was up full, so you could see pretty well. Well, as we started going, I just noticed that out of all of these Arvin Rangers, what ended up with, there was your dad, the other two Americans, and there were two Arvin Rangers with us and myself. Mm. That was it. Yeah. Had no idea where the other ones had gone to. Yeah. But as we were going down this path, all of a sudden, off to the right, a machine gun opens up. And if you've ever done any shooting at night, night shooting, you usually shoot low. Mm. And luckily that's what happened because there was just a line of bullets from this machine gun that probably hit maybe 15 to 20 feet, uh, you know, right of us mm. and, and mm. didn't come. So mm. we all hit the deck and, you know, then the training of your dad and the other two, you know, they threw some grenades and they started shooting and then your your dad goes, well, you all wait here. I'm going to just go ahead to see what's there. So he went ahead and came back and said, okay, follow me. We're going to head, mm. head to the river. Steve Teal, just really blessed to be talking to Bill Jankowski, getting the whole story. I know there's more he could tell us, but I'm just soaking it all in. And we've got a part three coming up for you. And it's going to be amazing, too. So don't forget, come back for that interview next week. Bill Jankowski, great story. All right, I want to remind you of that great hope that we have from Jesus Christ. It comes from 2 Corinthians 3.12. The Apostle Paul wrote these words that we've adopted as our ministry name, our radio and podcast, everything about us. We are trying to be very bold. This is what Paul wrote. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.